VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with goals. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I'm excited because once again we have a full house, and it does make such a difference when we're all in the same room, doesn't it, Rory? Yes. Three live panelists. One of them, as you heard, is the excellent Rory K. Smith. We have James Scowcroft, and we have Henry Winter, and you're all able to take time out of your busy schedules to join me. This week, we'll be talking some Goodison, I will be talking some Mourinho, but we need to start at the Theatre of Dreams. Scowy, you're a season ticket holder. Were, were you there? I was there, yes. And? Were you uh, one of the people booing uh, Van Hal? No. I was in a minority. United actually played okay first half, just couldn't score, and you could just see Norwich hitting them on the break, which they did, 1-0 down, 2-0, and I think at 2-0, I don't think I've seen a Manchester United side throw the towel in the last 20 minutes, although they did get a goal back, they never looked like scoring. The atmosphere, the air of desperation around Old Trafford now is at red level. Red level, not a good thing, despite the fact that it's Manchester United. Henry... I only saw the highlights, but I too got the impression that they had their chances in the first half. I was not as aware of a late game collapse. Does it make a difference when if, if there really was this collapse at the end of the game and you know rather than they they continued or maybe they started badly and then tried to get back, back into it? Everyone's looking for signs that they can recreate the Ferguson spirit. And Ferguson's spirit was all about attacking and Fergie time and going for it late on. And that energy, that momentum, it seems to have ebbed. It was interesting watching Van Gaal on, on the television just walking towards the Stratford and then towards the tunnel, and his aura has gone. I mean, this was an individual who came in, you know, fated as a Champions League winner you know, from, from Ajax. And he had this aura, and he just had this personality, this self-belief, and... It, for the first time, you could hear it in his in his voice that even he was beginning to question himself. Even he was saying he used the word worried. And that's quite unvangal like who is just so has so much self belief. So I think when the fans realise that the manager's doubting himself and they've been doubting him for you know probably a couple of weeks, if not months, then uh, it really is tick tock time. Seems like an obvious conclusion here, but you have a chief executive who loves his star players because whenever something bad happens, he releases another story about how, you know, we're going to try to sign Muller or Neymar or Gareth Bale, maybe Christian Bale as a spokesmodel. Now there's a really, really big manager. There's an equivalent to Cristiano or or, or Gareth Bale within the world of managers. There there is somebody on that level out there. It's obviously Jose Mourinho. It's too obvious, right? I mean, it's one of those, you'd be 
You'd be mad not to because everybody in the English media is going to say what a brilliant move it was because you all love Mourinho. Everybody loves Mourinho. He's, he's successful. Mourinho will give you the excuse to go and spend hundreds of millions more to strengthen the team and maybe a strong case that the team does need strengthening in terms of personnel. Woodward would say, look, I delivered a legit superstar Galactico, none of this like Di Maria or Schweinsteiger with the seven knee injuries, BS. Pretty good, right? Win, win, win. Oh, and George gets to do even more business. Win, 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 win. As long as George wins, that's all that matters. The, um, th- is that the first time that two separate grounds simultaneously have sung the name of a manager who manages neither club? <laughs> That's astonishing. <laughs> that is remarkable. I think it was slightly Norwich City fans. See what I mean? I'd never heard his name, and I don't think United would. I, th- I think. And can I just clarify for people who don't know? Scully may be a millionaire ex-pro, but he doesn't. You work in one of those vacuum-packed sort of luxury boxes with yourself and, and, and your and your harem of women, right? You you were actually. I was actually in a singing section. How sad is that? And I haven't got a season ticket, but that's just a, a, somebody right. got me a ticket, put me in a. So you were in among among fans and stuff, and they were singing. Some of them were, yeah. No, no one, no one called for Jose Mourinho, and I think it's very sort of split down the middle between the United's fans. Whether to go for him, I think half are saying yes, get him in now. Uh, the other half are probably going down the Ryan Giggs road, and you know, I think everybody. Sorry, really? Yeah. You know, gigs is uh, to sort of just take it over and steady the ship and wait for Pep to come along, really, and, and sort of play this lovely, expansive football style that maybe Jose hasn't really got the the reputation for. But you know, something does need to go. And, and like Henry says, uh, it's it's got to the point of no return now. If Van Gaal turns this round, and you know, fair play to him, but you just can't see it. The recruitment has been extremely poor. It's been a bit scattergun the way they've gone after players, and yeah, we'll go for him, we'll go for him. The, the sort of the academy is, although there's young players that have come through, the academy has sort of dried up really. The nucleus of good young players coming through and, and staying in the team is not there anymore. I, I don't see a manager being able to fix it at this moment in time. Okay. So I, you, I, you, I you see it as a three or four year sort of project fix where you're going to have to have a root and branch operation for the club clear as much out as you can and start again alright so you tell Woodward well then you might as well keep Van Hal then no because I, I think sometimes if it's a toxic environment so what would you do I, I would probably get Mourinho in you would tell Ed Woodward to fire Van Hal now yeah and bring in Mourinho but it's the problem with but, that not that Mourinho as we've seen if you can yeah, is whether it's it's something innate to him and th- this third season syndrome theory that goes around or whether it was just what happened at Chelsea whatever it was Mourinho is not a long term thing and Joey's completely right the issue at United is deep seated it's endemic within the club you speak to people who are around the academy the, the scouting setup at United to bring in youth players it's not being run as efficiently and as effectively as, say, City or Chelsea. That's fine, but in 2016, which is nearly 2016, the long-term scouting, whatever, yeah. it shouldn't be but, the manager's job anyway. No, no, it's not, the other uh, thing abs- about Mourinho in this third season thing, sorry, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it, make, it, it absolutely, it absolutely should, shouldn't be, but I would, was just going to say that appointing a manager who is a two- to three-year manager, right. and very deliberately so, that might exacerbate the problems, the structural problems that already exist. Okay, I, sorry, but d- these managers don't exist now in terms yeah, of the, the right. long-term managers. We're, we're in a post-Ferguson. I mean, Wenger is is unique. Managers go in and they have to deliver quicker. I mean, what's it? You have to go back to two thousand and two to find when there was more longevity amongst uh, managers. You, you know, what twenty-seven, twenty-eight managers have already gone this season. And we're not even half the way through. So managers have to go in and have instant impact. I love the idea of these projects, these long-term things. They just work game but to game. Serious clubs 
say serious clubs other than United on the sporting side, they deal with it. And not just big ones like Swansea, Southampton. We've all talked about how wonderful these places are because they put pieces in place uh, from their scouting to their youth development to the, you know, have a director of football type figure so that the manager can, can slot in. And which, then, was, which was the and debate that out. everyone was happening with Van Gaal came in because everyone yeah. said, well, Moyes hasn't worked out. Let's get a stellar heavyweight European coach, give him sort of two or three years to sort everything out. And first sign of you know six games without a win and people want him out. Well, so maybe, that, maybe, the, maybe that's the problem is that United I, th- I think probably do need a new manager. I'm not sure Van Hal. He didn't, as Henry said, he doesn't sound like he thinks he can turn it around. To be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. also your best case, he only stays another year. Yeah, eighteen year, months, yeah. and that, that that creates uncertainty. But what United need, as much as anything, is a is a better structure in place behind the scenes in terms of whether Woodward stays a chief executive or executive vice president. He's doing too is. much. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've met him, I've had lunch with him, I've been to these, you know, you listen to him and you just think this is one of the best marketing individuals that the game has Do you get the sense he knows seen. anything at all about football? Do, do you know the problem I have with, with the suits in football is that some of them, like David Gill, stay distant from the dressing room and aren't sort of seduced by all the glamour. Some of them, the dressing room door opens, they smell the liniment and it goes to their head yeah. and they, they start feeling like you they're, think that's they're the almost I, I think Woodward wanders down that road far more than David Gill does. So I have, I have a slight issue. I also do think he's doing too much. I think he's a brilliant marketing man. He's, he just creates fortunes for this club and maybe he should focus on that and leave the recruitment to real professionals. I mean, apart from Sir Bobby Charlton, if you look at the Manchester United board, and, you can, and this is an issue across Premier League clubs, how many you know, ex-players are there actually giving good technical proper advice? You know, you, you look at. I mean, everyone criticises Bayern Munich, but actually, when you see Bayern Munich get off the coach, and you look at their executives, right. okay, they've had some one or two sort of strange ones in there. But tell you what, these people who know what they're talking about. If I go to the British Medical Association, I don't want journalists on the BMA board. I don't want marketing men. I want former doctors. I think uh, I think that's a really good point. It's a very, uh, very and, good point. I think it worth broader debate one day. I think in this specific case, there's also questions about how involved or not involved the guy who was pretty good there two managers ago is and whether he shouldn't be a resource for the club my impression is he's entirely uninvolved and they don't even want him around frankly other than to do what Bobby Charlton does which is just kind of stand there uh, and contribute very little you know decisionally you just don't give him the power but that's a whole other issue I want to make a we haven't talked about. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna compress the Everton Leicester debate because Everton nobody Alex gives a Neil, shit about. Right? Yeah, you've missed out on it. No, yeah. but we're gonna talk. We're gonna think we're gonna talk about Norwich. We're just gonna compress Everton and Leicester to. We just, close you to know, actually, we shouldn't talk about Norwich. Why? Because Norwich is a great story. Alex Neil is a brilliant story. <clears throat> a year ago, he's still playing at Hamilton. He's had this incredible rise. He's he's a very I convincing. Wrote that. That's part of my script. He's a very convincing figure when you speak to him, Alex mm. Neil. And given it's that slightly scary as well, actually. Yeah, the, I, w- the, I wouldn't want to cross him. No, it's the way his forehead creases. Yeah, those those there's some ridges there. That's that's big. But we shouldn't talk about Norwich because Norwich don't want to be talked about. Because when you whenever you try and get anything out of Norwich, whenever whenever you suggest to Norwich that you might like to cover them and their interesting story, they are not helpful at all, and they should be punished for this. Okay, maybe it's just you that they don't like. Have you ever had any <laughs> troubles covering Norwich? I have. One of the uh, the best lunches I've ever had in football was with Delia Smith at her house. It was about seven and a half hours. Okay, so you never had any issues with Norwich. It's like a quiet drink with you. It yeah. is. No, not, Norwich is great. Look, I mean, all my cousins are season ticket holders there, so I've got a soft spot for them. First game I ever saw was Norwich City. I think it was five against Aston Villa, three in 76 or 77. Norwich fans will tell me. And so I've got a soft spot for them. No, it's, it's good. I mean, look, Roy, you know what it's like. If you build relations with people and clubs and individuals, 
you can get interviews out of them. You work for the Times, you can get interviews out of Norwich. Uh, Norwich, yeah. no, Norwich are. There's a dual carriageway out of Norwich now. You should be able to get there interviews is, that, out. There is that has improved things. Norwich are widely. I would say I am not. I would ordinarily worry that it's to do with my personality. That would normally be my first guess. Uh, I don't think it is. Norwich are difficult to deal with. And Norwich, there is a great story there. As I say, Alex Neal, I've got a lot of time for. Uh, very impressed with him. They've got some good players. A lot of them used to play for Leeds, which obviously helps. Uh, they used to buy a Leeds captain every year. Yeah, that was, their, that was their, their transfer policy. The whole advent calendar of Leeds yeah. captains. So, no, great story, great win. I'm still, right. I still fear for them a little bit, Norwich, I've got to admit. Uh, it's it's the third hey, youngest manager to win at Old Trafford. Is that right? Yeah. Who were the first team? One of them was Paisley from the 1920s, who was 11 years no, old. No, actually, it's all recent. Chris right. Coleman and Rude Hullet. Okay, where did deflate oh. the room by bringing uh, up that? Those well, it was back. less than thirty-three when he won as a manager at Old Trafford. Yeah, player manager, wasn't he? What? At uh, Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Scott, I don't. I want. I, I obviously can't get you to talk about Norwich because, hmm. given your past, you're going to be incredibly biased against them. I really like this team. I think they actually have very good players. No, I'm not maybe really, some. Well, Redmond, Nathan Redmond. I know he's been playing much. What's wrong with Nathan Redmond? I, I know he team. doesn't like it. I was going to ask. He's why. great in the playoff final. Okay, listen. Yeah. I know you can't get in the team. I was going to ask somebody who knew something about Norwich. Unfortunately, it's not you because they don't <laughs> allow you near the club. You speak to, to Delia. So why is it Redmond player? Because I know the team are doing well without him, but surely he's more talented than most of the guys they have on the pitch. Right? I don't think Alex Neal likes stars. And there is a you perception. think Redmond's a star? I think he's a star. Yes! Well, he's good, yeah? I think he's fantastic. He's not fantastic, but he is developing. I've talked to him a few times. Haven't had any interviews, Rory. I'll leave that to you. But he is he's, 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 he's an intelligent kid. And you can just see him developing. He was one of the few who did decently in a very poor under-21s. No, I like him. I think he's going places. I don't think he'll be there next year. Olsen, Bassons are a good player. Yeah, I'd rather really focus on, on, two on decent proper keepers. English players. Alex so, Tetty's a good player. You, you mentioned three foreigners there. Uh, Johnny, Rod, Howe, Johnny Howson's a good player. Yeah, Rod, yeah. Both the keepers are good. Can we They've talk got, about Robbie Brady? Yeah. He's not English. I know, he's from the British Isles. The, the, the rest of us, you are all the same. Holy he's a good city. player. He's had a good season, Robbie what? Brady. Mm. He's a good player. Mm. Are you impressed with what he's done this year? Because I, I, I didn't think he was... But really, this is a celebration of Alex Neal's ability, what Norwich had done this season, in the way he set the team up. I mean, he set them up brilliantly to, uh, to to inflict that sort of damage on on Manchester United in terms of dishevelling that defence as he did. And you have Phil Jones making all these strange runs all over the place. I mean, if there's one thing Van Gaal's done this season, he's actually organised the defence and they actually they were ripped apart by Norwich. Phil Jones, who of course assured us all that the entire dressing room was totally behind Van Gaal. Let's talk about Everton and Leicester. We, we've talked a lot about Leicester in the past, and we're all waiting for them to, to collapse and fall apart. Do you just want to chuck something in there quite quickly? They're, they're, they had this sort of six-game spell, right, where, where things were supposed to get really hard because they were playing all these really good teams, or so we thought. Instead, they were playing all this rubbish like Swansea, Chelsea, and United. But they have 10 points from four games in that horrid spell. <laughs> the next game is Liverpool away, which is supposed to be scary, but all of a sudden looks a little less scary the, given the circumstances. If anybody, if, if I, I'm, I'm not saying I know anything about football, if I know anything about football, that is, I, there is no way Liverpool get anything out of that game at all. Leicester are perfectly set up to beat Liverpool. Right, and then they have City at home, which okay, they might lose, yeah. but it, it, well, well, hang on, they might, they might not. Uh, exactly, it's pretty remarkable. I, Henry, you were expecting the collapse to come sooner, right? Were yes. you? We all were, right? Yes. It hasn't. Do you think that it's because Claudio Ranieri 
maybe made some sort of deal with Satan, or they've just been really lucky, or everybody else has been terrible. Well, I, I live near the ground, and I've never seen Satan floating around there, so I don't think that there's any commercial contract with the devil. I just think that Ranieri has gone in, he's built on Pearson's good work towards the latter end of the season he's tightened the defence, he's made them a little bit more Italian, he's, you can see it in, in Morgan the way he's playing, but there's strong characters in the dressing room, Kasper Schmeichel's a strong character, Morgan's a strong character, Vardy's absolutely on a mission, Mares is on a mission, he, he might be you know, Vardy's mission is obviously England related Mares might be ultimately to, to, to move on and get more money elsewhere but Nobody's supposed to be this good for, the, for this long I mean, if, if, if it were Manchester City with this run, we, we'd still be quite surprised. Have a look at, uh, I think it's about page 11 of, uh, of the game today. There's a photograph in the dressing of the Leicester players, and you just look at them, and they've, they've got their shirts off. That is, honestly, as a collection, it is, James and I were talking yeah. about this earlier, they are so, I mean, you've been in many dressing rooms, James. I mean, that you look at Vardy, and that is, you know, they're like whippets. They are so fit to play this way. I agree there are always concerns about, you know, will the defence or will the team have enough depth? But, you know, they missed tooth and they sort of, they got through. There is such belief in there. And what they're doing, 4-4-2, they're going for the juggler. I love seeing Vasilevsky play again. I, I, maybe not the greatest, but he, I, I like the whole sort and of they buy lumberjack well. look. They buy well. Look at the individuals <laughs> they've got in, you know. Fuchs and people like that, you know, they are, you know, it's a, it's a. Well, Mark Mares came through the French Division Two, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Under Alcante is the other one who's just yeah. a, a, a bit special. And all Brighton, after you know, yeah, the god of football decided no, he wasn't good enough anymore. Can, you, we, can I just say something about Michael Brighton? I remember saying to a mate of mine who covers Villa that when Villa let him go on a free win, it was, or when it emerged they wouldn't give him a new contract. I've always liked, liked all Brighton, and I said I can see Michael Brighton playing for England at some point and Villa really regretting it. That is not that far away. Mark Albrighton is a really good player. He is a talented player. I, I think, I believe he had some physical and maybe some mental issues people were questioning his bottle, which I think is always unfair. He's very shy. He went and yeah, lived back at that, home. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a thing in, you know, in the macho world of football. Um, that's rather frowned upon, I think, when you're a little more sensitive, like Albrighton might be. I want to talk about Everton, because I look at this, and, all right, first of all, I thought that they could have gotten more out of this game I thought you know some mistakes but shouldn't they be better than where they are because questions over the keeper I mean if we're going to start anywhere with Everton you blame it all on terrible team no I'm not blaming it all on terrible team part of it yeah I think that there are issues there I think at some point they're going to have to look at a succession planning with him but you know Everton are a good team to watch given that what was a few months ago people were questioning Martinez they were running up flags Ken Wright out and all that Lukaku. I mean, what Chelsea would give for Lukaku now? I know, but here's the thing, though. This is what I understand. To me, so like, how can you pick holes in Everton? Well, I would pick holes in this. And this is... I don't patronise Everton. I have high standards for Roberto Martinez. Mm. I think they've got some tremendous players. I think this year they've generally been mostly fit, unlike last year. I expect Stones to be to continue his development and be better this year than, than he was last year. They've added De La Feo, You know, in certain games has been, has been instrumental. Lukaku's stronger and better. Barkley's presumably better. McCarthy's presumably better. So, uh, the, oh, the, the, the guy, I'm uh, saying, Galloway? I mean, he's, Brendan a play, he's a player and a really Brilliant player, mm. Brendan Galloway. He's like, seriously, um, I'm a big Seamus Coleman guy. I look at this, and I, I agree, Tim Howard's you know, not been Tim Howard, but I, I wonder, should they, is, is this a missed opportunity when they look ahead of them? I mean, when they look at them, they look at Palace and, and Leicester and United and West Ham, and they're like, we're better than these mopes, aren't we? I mean, I'm not expecting Everton to challenge City or Arsenal, but the, the results, is there a sense of that, that they, their results maybe haven't been the as good as they could have been? They're, they're getting a lot of praise, and rightly so, for the way they're playing. 
the results haven't. I think there was the last nine, nine or ten games. They they haven't got the results their play really deserved, and that's something they have to. They will have to address. But I think the, re, the I can understand the positivity. Do they are playing great football? Lukaku's obviously on a brilliant run of form. It looks like Martinez has found his way, and I think last season was a little bit of a kind of they, so they kind of seemed to be the case. drift. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think the results actually have been. I think you think of Everton. The performances have been really better well. than the results, is but what you're saying. Everyone thinks Everton are playing really, really well. Aren't Everton going well? If you actually looked at the results, that's not borne out. You were saying it's okay playing really well if you can't defend and you're giving cheap goals in. Counteract. Were the bad other, defenders? <clears throat> Which one of those England defenders are bad? If you're going to well, go and diss their defence. <laughs> Well, you can have a go at poor old Gareth Barry and shielding them. Gab, Gab, as an Italian, you should know, is not about individuals. This is about this is about units. Uh, I would dispute it's that. It's I'd say it's about mistakes, units in Italy it? when you have people who work on tactics. When you have in other countries, it's a lot more about individuals. I think, but well, because we don't work on tactics enough here. I don't think you work on tactics in the same way. No, if you look at the influence of, of of the managers, we play too much football, so they don't have enough time on the training ground. But yeah. I also think there's there's another thing. Here we go. We're going. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Another tangent, but it's fascinating. So, just wrap this up quickly. I do think that working only within systems creates sometimes defenders who, if they're in another system or something's different because there's a there's a different a player alongside them or there's somebody new, they can't improvise. They they, they, they can't grow with it, and they really really suffer as a result. So, I think in Italy historically we've gone too much. I think down the system route. You know, I, I would rather have a guy like Gerard Pique, where everything's falling around around him. And he finds a way to compensate, maybe because he knows there's a system, but he's also had experience playing outside of a strong defensive system. But this is a big digression. Mm-hmm. But I just want, but on Everton, I just want to say we all agree that their performances have been better than the results. So that means, based on our old analytics friends, that they'll, they'll regress to some sort of mean. Will they be doing better? They should, if they can keep. Uh, I suppose what the, the the number wizards would say is that if you can keep on creating the chances they're creating, keep on producing the numbers they're creating. They're producing, then then there should be that should be reflected over the course of the season. But then you've got to remember that with all of these models, at some point they decay, and also teams kind of disprove them. And it's never the model's fault; it's always the fault of the team. All right, last word, Jaskowi, who's entirely neutral here. Who's going to finish higher, Everton or, La- or Liverpool? One word, Everton. There you go. 
as you may probably have heard, uh, Chelsea have parted ways with the uh, with their manager Jose Mourinho due to the uh, palpable discord, as Michael Emanalo put it. I'm assuming we're all going to be along similar lines here in terms of the reasons behind it, some of the unrest in the squad, the really bad results. But anybody here want to argue, just to get this out of the way, that Chelsea should not have fired Jose Mourinho? I have a slight issue with players, well, anyone, not respecting their employers, not respecting the staff, not respecting the fans. And I think there was an element of that that was reflected as the club rather tackily called it the palpable discord. I still think even if you don't like someone you work with, you still give absolutely everything, particularly when you're that well paid. I don't like the idea of mutiny in any walk of life. Do you think there was a mutiny? Do you think that players were purposely underperforming or, or not was, working as hard as they not giving their all? I think it was a mutiny with a lowercase m. I don't think it was this the full bounty, but I think there were certain, it's pretty clear, there were two or three individuals so, who had issues with the intensity of Mourinho's style and also his criticism of certain individuals, particularly the kid Ruben Loftus-Cheek, which I know upset one or two of the players. If you were Marina Granovskaya advising Roman Abramovich, who we presume she's got more of a pulse than, than he does, I, I take your point, right? But you could also make the point that a football club or, or any company, you know, they, they're not there to educate necessarily, right? They have to deal with the fallout. Once this discord has happened, had the situation become bad enough where they had to basically choose between the manager and the players? I mean, would you, would you, would you have advised... So you have to, you know, it's cheaper to get rid of the manager. So you would have advised so Abramovich I, to, to fire Mourinho at that stage? I, I don't think they really had any choice. I think okay. the, the dressing room had become toxic, but I do think the players have got to bear some responsibility. What I found interesting here was, and, and I was at Stamford Bridge on, on Saturday, I thought the narrative was, was kind of interesting because, as Roy mentioned earlier, there's a lot of singing of Jose Mourinho's name and stuff, and everybody... and, and bunch of Chelsea players were booed before kickoff. The, the obvious ones, Diego Costa, and funny enough, we have a story by Matt Hughes, an exclusive that says that Diego Costa's doing double training, been doing double training sessions for the last three weeks, and, and, and one or two others. But I, I got the sense that they weren't necessarily, or obviously, we're not speaking for everybody, but there was a chunk of people there who weren't necessarily expressing their anger at Abramovich for making the change. It was more about perhaps expressing their appreciation of Mourinho, who was gone, and maybe their anger at some of the players for the fact that if the results had been better, Mourinho would still have been there. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, I was at Southampton on Saturday. But it was so time. loud that you could hear it from there. You could hear, you know, and, and it, you, could, you could feel the toxic atmosphere. So I wouldn't tell I was there, but you saw the sort of images of the banners they need to have they really Chelsea Chelsea need to make better banners Hazard um, I'm sorry I, I would discount that banner because they misspelled it yeah, you can't spell name. if you can't spell your own why are you jumping to the conclusion that he's referring to Eden Hazard you think it might be one of the dupes the bigger picture is the fan who did we don't know could be home and away could go here then absolutely lives for his club and Hazard has been nowhere near the player he was last year so, nowhere near but at what point and this is so I, I, I was listening on the way down to Southampton I was listening to the to BBC Five Live and there was an interesting debate with two Chelsea fans whose, whose premise was basically that the players are to blame this season and Mourinho gets the credit for last season. That's that, the Mourinho theory as well. There is an there is a fallacy of the that is a logical fallacy. Either Mourinho gets some of the credit last year and some of the blame this year. He gets all of the credit last year and all of the blame this year, or he gets none of both. Mourinho's job is to make Hazard perform. That is his job. 
And if he doesn't doesn't do it, you can put some blame on Hazard, of course, for saying you know you should be able to inspire yourself. But Mourinho gets what nine million quid a year, what whatever he's on at Chelsea, a little bit more, a little bit more. To, to get the best out of his players. That's what he's paid to do. Yeah. And, and if, a, if a dressing room goes toxic, part right. of that is down to him. You know, a you have to take responsibility yeah. for, for the atmosphere you create. So everyone's to blame. I think, I think you can't separate... You can't say that one, one group is to blame or one person is to blame. As the fans, the fans seem to not want to blame Roman mm-hmm. and they seem to not want to blame Jose. I think everyone has to take a little bit of responsibility for it. Partly he's, the a little, he's one of those like, guys who blames everything. He's one of those like, societies to blame when things go badly. Right? Let's not take individual responsibility. There's, there's such an intense relationship, as there obviously is, between Mourinho and many, many people. I think there are sometimes those flaws in logic, like the ones that <laughs> Rory highlighted, I think, become obvious. But I want to throw it forward now because in the immediate we have Goose Hitting down the road you know there's there's three names in the list I'm told Simeone is one of them I know it's one of the guys that you believe is part of the, on the list and I think that's accurate about Hitting right now what 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 defines success for Hitting if you were Abramovich or, or Michael Aminalo and you say Goose come here this is what we would consider successful for you, from you between now and the end of the season what would constitute one success thing. sorry one thing we unite the club we engage the dressing room with the not going to do that we we engage the 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 dressing room with the terraces just bring everyone back together maybe promote one or two of the the kids if they can finish top 10 i can't see them getting near the the champions league positions i mean we're debating about palace getting in there i mean there's and and just get rid of some of the politics get rid of the toxic atmosphere just make them a more attractive proposition to a top manager coming and also he needs to go and buy a couple of players as well and I think probably you can trust hitting to do that I thought it was inspired having Didier Drogba sitting there because it just said listen we can get you know he's the symbol of uh, you know the sort of, of a strong Chelsea he's also he's just so pop Drogba's so popular with everyone at the club you know, whether in the dressing room or stands or wherever. I thought that was a very clever move by Abramovich. Whether he's going to be working with the strikers, whether he's a sort of conduit, he'll certainly, again, be part of that uh, reunification process. I think further afield, and I might revisit the Lampard situation for when, when he's ready, but, you know, in, in some capacity. What, Lampard to come back into? And I know there's some people who don't like him for various reasons. I like the guy a lot. I also think he's far more intelligent, not just than your average... English footballer <laughs> or your average footballer, but just far more intelligent than your average person. Privately educated, wasn't they? Got a Latin GCSE. Yeah, okay. that, that's not the reason for it. But I also think he knows a lot of people. He's, I, I think he's an asset to your club. You know, potentially, you look at what Manchester City, what they did with Patrick Vieira. Maybe not as a coach. Maybe he wants to be an executive. Maybe there's, but I would, I would go to him and say, when you retire, right, you want to go to university, you want to go do this, you want to travel the world, here's a big wad of money. You go do that. You go educate yourself. Because a lot of people in football have the arrogance of thinking that they can walk into an office upstairs when, you know, many of these people can't do basic math. I, I would give them that opportunity and say, we're going to bank on you and you come back in a year's time and we'll figure out a role for you. But I, I, I just think you've got such an asset, not just to Chelsea, but to English football. And because of a lot of petty nonsense, Lampard 
probably won't be an asset, not to the FA and not to this not is, to we, Chelsea. We, we come back to this whole thing. There is a suspicion of former players who are, um, who are, which, who are intelligent. Well, but, but That's it's, the but problem. But it's ridiculous. You go to any intelligent club, well, most clubs overseas, and you will see former players given positions or, of authority in their clubs. Look at our national association, the FA. So Trevor Brooking was effectively locked up in a broom cupboard at the FA, and he was the one who's actually played for England, has got that technical expertise, and he, he was very rarely allowed anywhere near the appointment process for newing for the next England manager. Very rarely allowed to have a proper say in how we should reshape the game. It is ridiculous. This past weekend saw the passing of Jimmy Hill, a guy who I, I was privileged to meet several times. I knew him from television. Obviously, I saw him on television. I knew his story. But when I met him, I, I found a person of real depth and and humility, um, and that doesn't doesn't often happen. So I just wanted Marcus passing. I'm assuming Henry, you've met him and you've him. got yeah. and you've worked with him and yeah. you've got stories. I worked with him on the on the Sunday supplement, and it was towards the end. It was it was clear that an element of dementia was beginning to creep in, and that was and that was incredibly frustrating for him and for everyone around him because one of his many strengths was this extraordinary lucidity of thought that he had. I mean, he was just one of the most intelligent. You know, we've been having this debate about should footballers contribute at the highest level in, in football after their playing days. Jimmy Hill was someone who absolutely did that. He changed the game. Three points for a win. The, 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 the commercial changes that he made at Coventry City. Abolishing the maximum wage. The, abolishing in, in, in 61 when he was uh, chairman of the, the PFA. I mean, he's, you know, the guy had about seven careers. You know, media. I mean, he wrote two songs which got to the top ten, you know, at Coventry and uh, and uh, Arsenal. I think actually Arsenal's good old Arsenal only got to top 14. But anyway, all the players from the 71 Arsenal team got gold discs uh, because of it, and they went on top of the pops because of good old Arsenal. You know, it's an amazingly talented individual, but it was just, you know, coming back to this point about, our oh, football is intelligent. Well, Jimmy Hill was one of the most intelligent people you can meet in any walk of life, and you could have put him in politics, you could have put him in business, Broadcasting obviously was a huge success. You could put him in top of the pops. I mean, he, he was just the man for all reasons. In many ways, a one-off, and then that whole sort of multifaceted renaissance. Gary Neville, possibly. I mean, James would sort of know from dressing rooms better than I would. But Gary Neville, I would have thought, has got that energy and the ideas and the you know he's leadership one of the kind of thing. I yeah. actually um, played for Coventry, and I played in the first ever game in the Rico Arena. Um, and like it was a fantastic day. We, we played QPR, sold out, and I remember now running out. And just as we ran out, he was—he sang a solo edition of "Play Up Sky Blues" on the pitch, and it was absolutely superb. It was one of the best atmospheres. Are you serious? Yeah, and and it's there's the song goes um, when we sing together, and, it, and it's the final verse sort of. It. And he literally raised his voice for the final, and the atmosphere was was you know he lifted the roof off. I think the I spoke to John Motson on um, on Saturday. Uh, who's done a piece for us and what Matthew said was that Jimmy Hill was someone who saw the way the game was going and that was one of his strengths and that in terms of uh, the abolition of the maximum wage in terms of shirt sponsorship all of that's the first all-seater stadium at Coventry mm. temporarily um, he saw the way the game was going but then Matthew said that what, what set him apart was that he, he then set out to bring the future into the present so he said that he said he got pulled up to the boardroom at Highfield Road by Jimmy Hill on a game that he was covering and pulled into an office and Jimmy Hill showed him a stack of Coventry shirts that had sponsors on them because in the days when sponsorship was banned and Jimmy Jimmy said to Motti you know when, when this comes we're ready 
and then that, that that would have been impressive enough. But then Jimmy Hill went and launched a campaign so that sponsorship was allowed, and that is that's an <laughs> astonishing kind of. Coventry City had about five different shirts in the early eighties, ones that they could use for television, which didn't have sponsors logos mm. on. I mean, the, the whole sort of Talbot thing, which just had the heart, the huge T, not just on the front of the shirts, but on the the shorts as well. So if you were a Coventry City fan in that era and you had a Christmas, it was quite an expensive time. <laughs> remarkable, surely a, a remarkable... There's a statue of him <coughs> now, the, the Rico, isn't there, a big mm. statue. He saw that football would become entertainment, Jimmy Hill. I think that was the thing that... that and he, the other thing, things like uh, instant replays, that was his, his kind of... He didn't invent it, but he, he popularised the usage of it. He kind of came up with the concept of the pundit. So, I mean, not all of his legacy was good, but the, um, <laughs> the yeah, his effect is just astonishing. Right. Surely Jimmy Hill will be, will, will be missed. Right, moving on to some quick hits. Let's start with the bad and the ugly. James McLean's tackle on Adam Smith. Tony Pulis uh, said he couldn't defend his player and reportedly fined him £50,000. Uh, me, I'm totally with Pulis. Scoey. You played the game at a much higher level than I did, and also a higher level than Rory or Henry or indeed Tony Pulis. Are we wrong to be so incensed? Was this really that um, bad? I, th- I think you have to take in context the modern day game where you, you, you just can't tackle now. I've seen it a couple of times, and you know he's aggressive, and I think there's a real intent to go for the ball, but he, he's, he's late and it's reckless. And you know if you lose a player in this day and age. It, it costs you, you know, you go down to 10 men and it's so tactical now. But also, if you lose your leg because the guy shattered it in three spots, it's kind of... Yeah, it's not good either. Than... Of course, Bournemouth won that game 2-1 and the very same Adam Smith proved to all that he's not just one of the finest political economists in history, but an effective goal-scoring right back as well because he scored a great goal a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, Henry, if the league began in mid-November, uh, Bournemouth would be in the Champions League. What's their secret... And can they stay up? Well, there are many nuances to the secret, but you really have to look at the manager, Eddie Howe. I mean, the, the impact he's had on them tactically, that belief whenever he comes out and we talk to him, there's always that belief, a little bit of realism there. He's just an incredibly impressive individual, given how young he is. He's, he's also this breed of young managers who are pretty fearless. Tottenham win their first game in nearly a month, and it's away to Southampton. They find themselves back in fourth place, though maybe that's more a function of the futility of the league right now. Rory, are you back on the Mauricio Pochettino bandwagon? You know me. You never jumped off. You know me, Dave. I was never off the Pochettino bandwagon. I've been on the Pochettino bandwagon since February 2013, I think. Uh, I love Mauricio Pochettino and would like to be his friend. Uh, and I think Spurs are going just, to... Just a friend, just a platonic. You don't love him to the point that you feel ready to... Come. Well, you're well, married I'm now, married, he's yeah. married, you know. No, but I'd yeah. li- I think we'd get on. Uh, I'd like to see him socially. Um, the, Yeah, I think, look, I think Spurs have had a bit of a blip. There's no question about that. But their blip has not been as blippy as all of the other teams' blips. And past Tottenham blips. Scoey, another team with top four ambitions, and it's weird to say this, is your other old club, Crystal Palace. They've only lost once since October. I'm waiting for Pardew to be found out, but he keeps proving me wrong week after week after week. What's up with that? There's nothing that's up with that. He's a very talented manager. I've never played under him, but I know people that have played under Alan Pardew and everybody sings his praises. He's meant to be a fantastic coach. He's exceptionally well organised and he gets his organisation right, but he also likes attacking flair football as well and... It's now four straight games without a win for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool as they get hammered by Watford 3-0. Henry, I thought they were at least supposed to be good away from home where they could go and do the gig impressing and unleash the pace on the counter. 
What is the problem? Or is there a problem? Well, first they ran into a counter-attacking team in Watford, so uh, it completely complicated their tactics. And then their defence, particularly the centre-halves, actually went into a meltdown. Sacco kept slipping over, Skirtle got injured and he got out-muscled for, uh, for Watford's second goal. And then Bogdan is not an able replacement for Mignolet. I'm going to say is Mignolet an able replacement for Bogdan. Well, he's a bit better. But yeah, no, no. Speaking of Watford, obviously I'm delighted because some of the nonsense spewed about them from folks who really should know better and don't know how to even use Google. But Rory, you get to choose. Do you want to praise Kike Sanchez Flores or do you want to exalt the magical strike force of Troy Dini and Odian Igalo? I'm going to do both. Uh, Kike has done a brilliant job. I think the way that he's assimilated into English football, the way that he has adapted his methods rather than imposing them is incredibly impressive. Uh, He's an extremely charismatic Man, he's the sort of manager you can understand why players would like to play for him. Not be, maybe not be sort of fired up by his presence, but genuinely think I like this guy. I want to help him. I want to work with him. Uh, Dini and Idolo, great to see partnerships back. Enjoying the the cyclical nature of tactics, as always. One of my favourite things about football, that the things just keep on rolling back round. Uh, but Idolo, what a player Idolo is. And Gab, one for you. Warrior of the Light, Carlo Ancelotti is moving to Bayern Munich. Uh, it says really here, but I can't really think who else would be a better appointment. Uh, what do you think about that? I'm kind of excited for one reason. One of the things that Ancelotti, I think, has done really well is when he's come into new situations, you know, he's he's such a pragmatist. He's played so many different styles of football that he's kind of looked at what was there before and said, well, can I, can I work with this and can I implement this? And I'm fascinated to know if he's going to try to do with Bayern what they did under, or what they're doing under Pep, with the with with the shape shifting formation, the high possession, the you know the move guys around seemingly at random. It's extremely difficult. I wonder if he's going to do that or if he's going to opt for a slightly more traditional approach. Right. Many, many thanks to my guests today. The excellent Rory K. Smith, the excellent James Gocroft, and the excellent Henry Winter. Please press that subscribe button. We're going to be back in the new year because I'm going skiing next week. And uh, we're going to be back in the new year, as I mentioned, because there will be no episode because I'm away. And um, Allison is busy, so she can't present. So, yes, we will be taking a week <laughs> off. and uh, But we're going to be back on the 4th of January. I believe it is. Uh, Remember, you can get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. It's just £12 for a 12-week trial. Who here has has signed up for Time subscription? Just me and Henry then. Very good, very good. Just search The Times online. Enjoy the rest of your festive season if you still have festivities to come. If your big holidays have already passed, then I hope you had a nice one. And we'll catch you on the other side. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.